our sermon today uh, is don't be discouraged and the scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 uh, we'll do up to verse 20 and it reads I'm reading from NIV version therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tested the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tested the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance, to their laws, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that, pro and that produces a crop useful to those from whom it is farmed, receives the blessings of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cast. In the end, it will be burned. Verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each one of you to show this same diligence to the, to, the, to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently. Abraham received what was promised. Let us read the next five verses from verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms that what is said. And puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature. Of his purpose very clear to the heirs. Of what was promised. Be confirmed it with an oath. God did. God did think so, that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly encourage, may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19. We have this hope of an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the, the cutting, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. In the order of Melchizedek. That's our reading this morning. To bring us the word of God is our own Reverend Kasim. Allow me to pray for him even as he shares God's word with us. Lord, this is your servant, Reverend Kasim, who Lord is our shepherd. Lord, you've anointed him this morning to lead us in understanding your word. In truthfulness, God, we desire that you may be with him even as he speaks to us. We bless you for everyone watching and listening that, Lord, we shall be able to understand this word as he brings it to us. We bless you and we honor you and in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you, my brother, Tumishi uh, Emmanuel. And all of you, church, good morning. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ that he loves all very much, that's not restricted to a physical uh, building, but the church that you are part of. And I want to thank God that he has also given me another week of strength, and this morning I'm able to speak his word. We are beginning series uh, this month uh, in, the, in this church. It's a month that reflects on issues concerning uh, family, and, uh, and, 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 and we'll be looking at discouragement. One unit that is uh, always uh, struggling with discouraging reports from family relationships and children and businesses and the future plans is actually um, a family uh, facing discouragements. And therefore, I do not know, dear listener, how many times you have given up and contemplated a quit and not even know how the grace of God has carried you through many episodes of discouragement in your life. Sometimes marriage in particular, sometimes career development, sometimes educational pursuits, sometimes Christian ministry, and so on and so forth. You probably are going through discouraging episodes right now, even this moment. Sometimes you are receiving very discouraging reports and you are keeping them within yourself. And these reports are discouraging with clouds which are not clear ahead. You are facing a journey that looks too dull and too impossible. You are not alone. Only my wife may tell how many times I have personally contemplated quitting being a pastor during very discouraging season of my pastoral calling. Some could have an idea, but you can only imagine the number of tons of grace poured on me to carry me through. And here I am, still able to encourage you. We have all experienced the discouragement, therefore, and you agree with me. A discouraged person is one who is a disheartened, who is aversive, who has become daunted in life, who is actually disempowered because discouragement disempowers, who is emasculated and probably retired in life. This is what discouragement does to us. Now, while reflecting on his battle with discouragement, the famous Rick Warren lists four causes of discouragement in, 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 in F's, so the four F's, and they include frustration, they include failure, they include fatigue, and they actually include fear. They seem to, to be cousins. To me, they appear like cousins, like a self-help group of voices that come to sing to us one chorus that is called impossible, and they give you a character of, I can't. Before we discuss the reasons Hebrews gives us as to why we should not be discouraged, let us actually go into a theater room of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me also. Jesus dissected the hearts of his believer, and he saw troubleness, and he saw disorder. He actually saw anxiety. He saw a community that needed a solution for their anxiety. For their anxiety and the solution was faith and faith and faith in me, faith in God himself. 
And I would like to invite you to remember that you are not alone and you're not just with me. You are with all of us because we fast through it. Remember Job. I want you to look at Job feeling discouraged with his wife and friends until he comes up with the wrong theology. He actually says something that we seem to have picked, that the Lord bringeth and the Lord taketh. By the way, don't be proud to say that during funeral. It wasn't a good thing. It was not the voice of God. It was actually a song of a defeated Job. Because he was so discouraged that he started saying, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. That is bad theology. The Lord gives and he gives for good. He does not give you and take away. That was a song of a defeated person, of a discouraged person. Remember Elijah becoming discouraged with life's circumstances until he wished to die. Yesterday, he was slaying 450 prophets of Baal. Today, he is chased by a woman called Jezebel and he's on his way wishing to die under a tree without a spear placed on him. Discouragement. Remember Jeremiah feeling angry and discouraged with God when he believed God was against him. Remember Peter feeling discouraged with himself when he realized that he wasn't actually courageous and adequate to be a follower of Jesus. When we feel discouraged, we want comfort, which is right to feel, of course, but the comforts we often turn to are ways to avoid our fears rather than ways to muster our courage to face and overcome them. When this happens, my dear one, discouragements simply become sinful in dangers in unbelief. And no different than indulging in lust or anger or other sins of unbelief. It is actually a, a spiritual disease. Discouragement is a spiritual disease, as some have called it. And it comes to take the best of you. It comes to choke you. It comes actually to become contagious. And the people that you interact with is as contagious as corona. And the people that you have actually interacted with should be followed, should be traced, because most likely you discourage them. You actually run dry of great encouraging vocabulary. You become a discouragement to everybody who works with you. Probably we should track them. Coming back to Hebrews chapter 6, the complicated and extremely useful chapter, we hear of a warning verse in verses uh, 1 to 8 telling us, don't be deceived. Then we proceed here another group of verses uh, of, this kind of encouragement in verses 9 to 20. It's like, don't be discouraged because... And I would like us to learn that. First, don't be deceived from verse 1 to 8. I just summarize this because we have very little time. But we can still make the best of this. Unless you move from basics to spiritual maturity, you'll face the danger of drifting away. Mature Christians must go beyond basics. The writers saw babies who neglected the foundations of grace and they started building other foundations of traditions of Judaism, including baptism, which in the Levitical order was all about washings and cleansing, baptism. So every time you see it written here, is that you concentrate only on the cleansings and the washings of the old system. 
And they were also concentrating on, on, on confirmations, like confirmations. My name is this, then I was confirmed on this date. What was that? Laying on of hands. So when you hear of laying on of hands, it's about baptism, then confirmations, and compensatory behaviors of some leaders who were hiding in religiosity. Yet they had drifted away, leaving Christ. He saw some believers who had tasted of the goodness of God and the sweetness of God's grace, yet they were succumbing to fear, frustration, and failure, and fatigue of arguments with Judaizers. He saw their ignorance, and, the, and they were ignorant of the spiritual battles that lay ahead of them as they concentrated on little things. They left the foundations and they started laying their own on nonsense, on things that are babyish. Remember last Sunday we talked about baby seekers. So he, the writer was inspired to write and warn that the road to sin was too narrow. And the turning back to repentance was very hard. Now he didn't mean that you can lose your salvation. Or it is impossible to come back to Christ once you have backslidden. No. What he is talking about is a problem that you need a spirit of desire to actually come back. That is the test. Do you long to come back? Because once we have drifted slowly into sin of lying, then the sin of gossip, the sin of hatred, now we begin slowly until we have already gone too far on a very narrow road that turning back is a problem. One day I was driving to Busia, I lost my way, and I found my, 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 my way near the lake. It was very difficult to turn because the road was becoming narrower and narrower and turning the car, the car near a swampy place was very difficult. Those who know that route understand. When you drive into sin slowly, you find it hard to come back. Although coming back is still allowed. The problem is not God. He will still accept you. But if you go too deep into sin, you might find it very hard to repent. Because the spirit of God is the spirit that makes you come back. So spiritual babies will easily wander on the road and can be taken away by strangers such as lust, peer pressure, or even false intellect. Enemies of encouragement such as fear and frustrations, as we have said before, may actually invite the giant of discouragement and drift you away from Christ, sinking again deep into sin, slowly until you, do, you die without repenting. Be careful, therefore, listener. Do all you can to avoid operating at a baby level. Grow to maturity so that you are no longer that vulnerable, that you can be taken away on the roadside by the enemies of discouragement and the enemies of salvation. Now that is a summary of verse 1 to verse 8. Do not be deceived. Do not just remain a baby and remain there discouraged because the enemies of encouragement will bring you discouragement. And you will soon find it very hard to come back. This is why brethren who used to testify, brethren who used to be in the streets preaching, now some of them are drinking. They are in the pubs now. And you look at them and they remember, they still remember the songs they sang. Christine, who was once the praise and worship leader, she is the one serving in the pub because John is telling Christine, give me Pilsner. Who gives Pilsner? It is Christine. It is John. It is James. 
And they cannot come back. Why? Because it is very hard once you are there. Don't operate at that level of a baby level. Grow to spiritual maturity. But then as you do so, verses 9 to 20, do not be discouraged. The writer seems to realize that he is a little harsher. He is very harsh than he ought, than he ought to be. He speaks confidence that remnants would continue in salvation despite discouraging episodes. He saw a believer who's laid cousins of discouragement and stuck to another group of things which ought to accompany salvation. Did you hear that? We just talked about requiring four Fs. Fear, frustration, fatigue. And this is another suggestion. Instead of listening to those cousins of discouragement, listen to cousins of encouragement. And this is, these are things that he calls things that accompany salvation. This I suggest to you because they are not listed here. Looking at the mood of the writing, looking at the words that are there, then I am actually are entitled to suggest a few things to go with the things that accompany salvation. Salvation is not a, does not require anything else to be supported, but these are things that accompany, things that go with salvation, that keep you strong and pressing on so that you lay the giant of discouragement. And therefore, I suggest that these include persistence, they include um, resilience, they include a longing for the presence of the Holy Spirit. They include a desire to continue. That once you have come to the Lord, you don't just come and sing and go, but you accompany, you carry other things that accompany that salvation. You carry things like resilience that I will continue. Whatever happens, I will continue. You get persistence. Whatever happens, whatever voice of discouragement, I will persist. You have this longing for the presence of the Holy Spirit that every morning and every night you long to be filled to the, full, to the, to, to, to full, to, to, to the fullness. You want the Holy Spirit to fill you completely. You feel empty. You desire to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are filled with a desire to continue. You do not want to go back. You are careful not to go back. You are careful not to go astray. You are careful that you might have sinned. This is why you desire to repent. Do you feel that you have probably sinned the sin of omission or the sin of commission? But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Their spiritual danger was not so much of a calculated rebellion but more because of a depressing discouragement. They needed warnings, yes, but they also needed encouragement. So verse 10 to 12, don't be discouraged because of, now these are the reasons. I would give you three reasons. From verse 10 to 12, this is a group of verses that tell us one thing. Do not be discouraged because God hasn't forget, forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten you. When we are discouraged, we sometimes think God has forgotten us on all we have done for him and for his people. But God would deny his own nature if actually he forgot such things. He would actually be unjust. This is what the Bible is saying. God sees and he remembers. 
I remember Psalms chapter 56, verse 8, where the psalmist saw a God who puts his tears in a bottle. And he has a record. Therefore, God has even aids. He remembers and he stores our tears. The tears that you have cried over the years, God has a record. He has a book. He says, have you not recorded it in your book? Even the tears of my life, have you not stored them in your bottle? I do know very well, my dear listener, that the tears I have cried before the Lord, they have been stored in a bottle. There is a bottle probably written label, Abednego. If there is a God who remembers Abednego of all the million brethren in Kenya and in Africa and in the world, that God is really big. God cannot forget you. Many times people backslide and they get discouraged because they think God has forgotten them. There was a moment that I almost got to a point of feeling that God, have you forgotten me? I was in tears. I was in very many problems. But I saw people giving testimonies in church. Always be careful when you give a great testimony in church because when you are celebrating, someone else is also crying. And I thought, oh God, have you forgotten me? But I encouraged myself. God has not forgotten. Other times our fear that God forgot our work and labor of love comes from relying on the attention and applause of people. It is also true that some people may forget your work. But let's continue. We were saying that other times, first of all, we are discussing discouragement, saying that don't be discouraged because God hasn't forgotten about you. When we are discouraged, we think God has forgotten us. But other times our fear that God forgot our work and labor of love comes from relying on the attention and applause of people. So it is true that some people may forget your work and labor, but God never will. We have gone off briefly, sorry, it was power failure, but we are discussing Verses uh, 10 to 12, don't be discouraged because God has not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you because he has a book and he has a bottle. And sometimes we think that God has forgotten our work and labor of love because we rely on the attention of people. And sometimes it is also true people, some people may forget your work and labor of love, but God will never forget. The writer to the Hebrews acted like a coach, urging believers to, to press on. The believer must therefore, therefore keep their good work, press on with that hope until the end, and imitate those who inherit, not those who earn. But you need to imitate those who inherit God's promises. When we fail to do this, discouragement often makes us become sluggish. Becomes, it makes us become complacent. Before he was king, you remember, David discovered an answer of discouragement. David actually encouraged himself in the Lord, as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. He encouraged himself in the Lord. It is actually a blessing when others encourage us. But we don't have to wait for that. You can actually encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes people may not know that you need encouragement. Therefore, encourage yourself in the Lord because God hasn't forgotten you. Point number two, which is verses 13 to 18. 
Don't be discouraged because God's promises are reliable. Encourage yourself because God's promises are very reliable. A season of patient endurance is a time of spiritual attack. It seems that we may never obtain the promise of God in our life. It is actually very easy to wonder, will God really come through in my situation? God came through for Abraham, you remember? Even sealing his promise with an oath. Did you hear that when it was read? The promise that he made to Abraham, God sealed it with what? With an oath. In fact, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by his name. God was so passionate about his promise that he was looking for something to swear. He wanted to swear to Emmanuel the things that he has promised you. He wants to swear. He was looking for something. It was, there was nothing greater. He swore by his own name for Abraham. This oath showed that God's promise, like his own character, are unchanging. Therefore, encourage yourself because God's promises are reliable. Abraham's trust in a blank promise was the gateway to the fulfillment of the same promise. Just like that, trusting in a blank check of heaven. We are reminded of two immutable or rather unchanging things here, which are promise and oath. So I want you to remember those two things. The promise and the oath. It is impossible for God to lie that we already know. God can never lie in either of these two things. These two things are given to help us hear God's strong consolation in times of discouraging episodes. God's promise and God's oath. Believer, who dares doubt God's absolute reliability? Why would you wish to die? Why would you wish to quit? Fear and guilt drove Israelites to the city of refuge. But that was remedial only for the innocent. Remember, the cities of refuge that the writer captures here say that since God's promises are reliable, you can actually run to the city of refuge. He had promised that should you once you get to the promised land, should you find uh, that you are being accused uh, wrongly, run to the city of refuge, which I have in, uh, commanded them to set aside. And therefore, the idea here is that those who were innocent and guilt would run to the house of refuge. However, the judge would, if they find you guilty, then you are not qualified into the uh, city of refuge to be given acquittal. That city of refuge was only good for those who were innocent. But as the message of Hebrews goes, Christ is better. He is a better high priest. He is a better tabernacle. He is a better city of refuge. Why? Because even the guilty are admitted in the city, the new city of refuge, which has become Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ accepts the guilty ones. The cities of refuge accepted only the innocent. Today, anybody, the guilty, can be 
accepted and admitted into the new city of refuge. Therefore, you don't have to, you don't have to judge the person who was selling at the bar, even the one who is selling now, and the person who is doing, even the person who is corrupt now. Keep your mouth shut because there is a high priest who can change that person today and that person tomorrow can become your bishop. The dirtiest of all today can come to the Lord. The guilty, because he has become the city of refuge for the guilty, for the backslider, the one who backslid yesterday and you are standing today. Keep your mouth shut because there is a high priest who is the true city of refuge. And this is why, brothers and sisters, we are former sinners. We are former corrupt people. We are former prostitutes. We are former thieves. Because we have come to the city of refuge only for those who are guilty. Therefore, do not be discouraged because God's promises are reliable. Don't be discouraged because Jesus will lead us into God's glory. This is the last one which we find in verse 19 to verse 20. The concept of, a, of an anchor is reintroduced here. And you don't need an anchor for calm seas. The, the rougher the weather, the more important your anchor should be. The anchor stood for hope in those days. But the meaning that we are here today is something firm but unseen, which actually enters the presence behind the veil. So this is actually the Lord Jesus Christ has become everything. Remember, he has become the high priest. Remember, he has become the anchor. He has become the tabernacle. He has become the city of refuge. And today that anchor enters the presence behind the veil. Because he is better. He is better. And therefore, in the dispensation of God's grace today, we are actually anchored upward in heaven. Not down in the ground like the old anchor, but we are anchored to move on, to stand still. What did I say as we finish? In the dispensation of grace today, we are anchored upward in heaven, not down. Because the sea and the ocean anchor anchors down. But the anchor that we have received today is better because he anchors us upward. And therefore, whatever storms of the sea come, Whatever happens in life, they can come in a self-help group that frustration and fear and failure. They can come saying whatever they want. People can do whatever they want. Corona can come. Seasons can come. Things can change. Your husband can change and go. People can call you names. You can be in a family and everybody has gone and you become an orphan. Now you have a new name. It doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we have a new anchor. Just like we have a new refuge, a city of refuge, we have an anchor that anchors us upward in heaven, not down in the ground. And we are now anchored to move on, not to stand. And therefore, brothers and sisters, move on to maturity. Don't be satisfied at the baby level. Desire to do more. Attempt to do more. Do not be discouraged. Those who are discouraged, wake up from your slumber. And move on towards maturity, the one who has called you has a greater plan for you. Press on, therefore, in conclusion, and slay the giant of discouragement. Encourage yourself in the Lord like David, because God has not forgotten you. Encourage yourself in the Lord because God's promises are reliable. And encourage yourself because we have a captain of our journey who leadeth us. Tomorrow is better 
because we are in his tomorrow is better I want to pray for you now Heavenly Father I'm praying for the listener as we reflect upon the anchor that you are in our lives against the spirit and the giant of discouragement and I'm speaking life in the name of Jesus Christ I am speaking encouragement and life to this listener who is discouraged and down and feeling that I am nothing, I'm forgotten because Christ, you never forget us. I speak life in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak encouragement to your situation. I speak life to this marriage in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak life to this discouraging life. I speak life again to this discouraging relationship. I speak life again in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that my listener, you will wake up again in the Lord and correct yourself again in the anchor who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Come back, those who have backslidden. Walk again because Christ died for us. Thank you. Now, this uh, minute, let me just ask you to stand if you can. Now, brethren, I want to thank you for walking with us today. And I want to encourage you to keep waiting upon us let me pray for you now if you can. Lord, rebuke this spirit of discouragement. And in the name of Jesus Christ, which you have given unto us, on all the saints and believers, I take that authority of the name of Jesus Christ and command the spirit of perennial discouragement to desist from your maneuver. And I command you to release this believer in the name of Jesus Christ, the spirit of perennial discouragement that you grip every day and cause a, a sadness to this believer all the year round, every month, I command you in Jesus' name to discourage, to be discouraged yourself and to let loose the beloved of the Lord. And dear believer, I speak joy and encouragement to you. In the name of Jesus, I speak victory and joy and goodness on Monday, I pray that the Lord will give you strength. May the Lord give you new faith and new favor on Tuesday. May the Lord give you a great vision and a new idea on Wednesday that you keep encouraged. And on Thursday, I pray for open doors. Open doors, I don't know why I am praying this, but I know that you will need open doors on Thursday in the name of Jesus Christ. On Friday, I pray that you may find encouragement from a very busy and discouraging voice. May the Lord encourage you. May the Holy Spirit work on you, encouraging you and giving you to stay afloat in the name of Jesus Christ. On Saturday, I pray the Lord may give you to know that he works with you. I pray that you will rely on him even on Sunday, good health, that you can come Come back, even with money, to be able to tune in again. May the Lord shine upon you. May he become your portion. May it become obvious that the Lord is leading you. Because even in these dark roads, the Lord shineth before you. In the name of God, who is our Father, and who is the Son, and who is the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. May the Lord bless you and bless you and bless you. It is well with you. Follow us on Sunday.